and welcome to A Court of Wings and Ruin, which is the third instalment of the Akatar series. Um, I'll just read the synopsis to get us a little bit into the story. So, Feyre will bring vengeance. She has left the Night Court and her High Lord and is playing a deadly game of deceit. Her former lover Tamlin is making deals with Feyre's enemies and she is determined to uncover his plans. But can she make him believe she has come back to him when every fibre of her being yearns for reason? As mighty armies clash, Feyre will discover she is not the only one hiding something. And as the web of secrets, lies and betrayals is revealed, fighting for the truth may cost Feyre and her court the ultimate price. Alright, we begin the book, funnily enough, with a little prologue, which is uh, a war flashback from Reese's point of view. Um, during the battle between like the mortal slavery and the high faith. Yeah, it was before the wall. So it was the war, yeah, between like mortals and immortals well, and fae. It was just pretty much all in. And then that's when they wrote the treaty. That little prologue just really described um, Reese's like bonds with Asriel and Cassian because it's described as him like you know searching through Illyrian dead Illyrian soldiers you know trying to find them gives you an insight of how the war is how a potential war could be described so Feyre ends up back in the spring court with Tamlin who believes that she is his essentially that the bond is broken between Reese and Feyre and that she has been like under his spell or whatever this whole time and now she's back Mm-hmm. Um, Feyre is trying to act normal and just paint um, and be like she was before she left, but she can't help but think about Elaine and Nesta and everything that happened um, the night that they faced off with the King of Highburn. She's also worried about Reese, and she they try not to talk to each other through their bond because they fear that like Tamlin would be able to find out and then realize this is all a ruse. So she's she's a bit stressed out still in the Spring Court, and she yeah really does not want to be there. Lucian is suspicious the entire time and Tamlin he's not suspicious but he's kind of well this was a bit too easy but he's never really Mm. entirely suspicious are we sorry going to talk as if they've already read the book yes I think at some point like I can't remember when it happens like but Lucian says that his metal eye can see things that others can't like he can see through glamours and stuff yep and it's never explicitly said, but I think he can still see the matching tattoo on Feyre's other Ooh, arm. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. So, because, yeah, he's always, like, just a bit sus when she comes back and stuff. Like, it kind of, like, that suspicion kind of goes away, but it's still kind of there for something. So I wonder if he can see that, um, even though it's glamoured, that it's still there. Pretty sure she does kind of glamour other than the tattoo but she does glamour herself up just a, a little whether she just looks a bit happier yeah so obviously Feyre wants to meet with uh Ianthe throughout this time because we learn that uh Ianthe is the one who sold out and Feyre's sisters to the Highburn and is ultimately the reason why they have been made into High Faith. and so they have a meeting with her but Ianthe spills some bs about oh I was in the name of protecting the spring court kind of tighten their alliance Feyre tries her best to kind kind of seem understanding like oh you know what that's a good point but she is pissed yeah and she you know she's like she's gonna have to do something to show the up and like get people to stop following her yeah and throughout this period in the spring court we see tamlin more so lean towards Anthe, not in a romantic sense but in a um just a really political friendship like oh i trust you over everybody else so there are a lot of moments where yeah Feyre wants to upstage her to try and kind of discredit her amongst the court to try and at least lure tamlin into a false sense of security that yeah 
Um, it's also pretty early on as well that we learn that Tamlin, he kind, he's kind of okay with it, he's kind of not, but he's let Highburn into these, um, his territory, into the Spring Court. And so was it Highburn's niece and nephew come along with Jurian as well? Yes, so yeah, the King of Highburn sent like little group, which is led by Durian. Um, it, I believe, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but Princess, I say Brianna, and Prince yep. Dagdan. They are the yep. niece and nephews of the Highburn, and they are there to, alongside Durian, to inspect the wall to try and see if there's any vulnerabilities or weaknesses. And because the wall is in line with uh, the Spring Court's territory, Tamlin has that alliance obligation to allow them to do that. They also gave off major incest vibes. Yeah, they really did. I was just. <laughs> Uh, Any time they had an interaction, that was very uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah, we also uh, learned that they have like a little telepathy, like Feyre and Reese. But maybe, yeah, so maybe... it's uh, Daimati? Daimati? Yeah. Yeah, so they can like mind read. Not mind read, they can mind to communicate and they can also mind communicate to other people as well. Yeah, but maybe that's why you get the incest vibes because we've only seen that ability through Feyre and Reese and their mates. That's probably where you yeah. get that feeling. There's a couple of missions throughout that period in the Spring Court where, you know, Princess Brianna and Prince Dagden inspect the wall and Feyre has to, like... <laughs> Farah accompany them as well as Lucian. Tamlin goes off on his businesses like, and yeah so they get the fun chance of like stirring each other up and trying to remain civil even though this is the worst situation possible that Farah could be in. And Farah is using this opportunity to try and undermine Tamlin and the Spring Court in general while all this is going on. Um, there's an event where uh, a guard, we, we see a guard um, that's being severely punished. So Feyre had like used her like blinding light power thing um, to show up Ianthi at a, like a ceremony. That's right. Ianthi was like trying to get people to like love her and stuff. And But Feyre moved some things around and then like it looked like she was being blessed by the light or whatever. And then to try and get the attention back on Ianthi, she let in some creatures. I can't remember what it is. So she stole the keys and she let in the creatures to be like, oh, like I'm being punished. Like blah, blah, blah. Help me, men. And then the keys that she had stolen from the guard, she had made it look like he had fallen asleep at his post and then that's why they came in and stuff. Yeah, so Feyre stood up to Tamlin and Ianthi was saying, no, like, don't whip him, it wasn't his fault, blah, blah, blah. And then he does end up getting whipped, so then Tamlin's men are kind of like, oh, like, because Tamlin allows um, this to happen to his men. And also pretty much takes Ianthi's word over Feyre, who is... Still yeah. assumed to become the high, like a high lady of the Spring Court. Yeah. Or at least still is to be his wife. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Feyre is causing disarray. I love it. I remember I messaged you. I was like, Feyre is playing these fools like a fiddle. Like, it is so great. <laughs> yeah. But Lucian always, you know, sus, but that's just him. And it was also really good writing as well in that there were still some things that, like, she was doing and then it was revealed later um, what it all meant and I was like wow that's really cool like the night when she like dressed all sexy or whatever and then pretended to have a nightmare and so like went to Lucian's room yeah so that when Tamlin came because she'd been floating with Tamlin a little bit to like finally get him to like come so when um Tamlin came to see her for some sexy times she was like in Lucian's arms in yes. his room so 
Yeah, she was really trying to get cozy up to Lucian in the, in the way to get Tamlin jealous, but in a way to have them two start fighting as well amongst everything else going yeah. on. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, when I, yeah, when I read that, I was like, ooh. Again, playing them like a fiddle. But yeah, Lucian was actually genuinely concerned for the, about the Nightmare, which was actually quite sweet considering. Yeah. Like, he suddenly is now there for her this time. Yeah, suddenly. It's so easy to get Tamlin riled up and jealous, though. Yeah. They go out to this wall a few times, and surely there are... There's a couple of, like, holes. There was a hole that Feyre ended up going through when she first entered the Spring Court and everything. So, like, surely... Yeah. They, they had so many little camping trips out there, and I'm like, there's only a few vulnerabilities that this wall has. Like, surely you've seen them all. Yeah. During one of these, like, sessions, the Children of the Blessed from the first book managed to stumble mm-hmm. their way in. They're all, like, bowing down to this to these high phase. This is with, yeah, Prince Princess Brianna and Prince Dagnan as well. Mm-hmm. And they initially wanted to kill them, like, then and there, outright. But then Feyre, she glamours them, doesn't she? She uh, she does something, she messes with their minds to kind of make them really fearful. Yeah, she goes into their mind to, like, make them look, make the Fae look really scary. The children of the blessed, they, yeah, like, adore the Fae for yeah. whatever reason. But yeah, trying to deter an incident. But yes, then they, yeah, they go away. For a bit, but then we learned that night Highburn Royals did kill them, unfortunately. So the funny thing to come out of that was Lucian and uh, Feyre managed to track down a boggy, which is one of those like very intense creatures that like if you acknowledge it, that's when it's the most dangerous. And so, which I was surprised, like how do they manage to hunt it down if it's something that you've got to perceive? I think it's like about the scent and stuff. So it's more like they just knew where it had been and they happened upon it. It's a it's a real kind of light-hearted moment. It's a shame you didn't really get they didn't we didn't get much of them actually tracking it, which yeah. it, would, it would have been interesting to find out. The next day or soon after or whatever, um, Feyre figures out that it's time to leave. Like she's done enough damage that she can in the spring court. She has to get back to her night court. And um, as she's running away, she happens upon Ianthe and Lucian, and Ianthe is sort of like trying to come on to Lucian. And Lucian just doesn't want any part of it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I- so Feyre, um, like, mind compels Ianthe to, like, damage, like, wreck her hands. But then the niece and nephew, the prin- prince and princess, happen upon them as well. And they pretty much let Feyre know that they've been working as well, like, in the minds of people and stuff. And they knew what she's been doing doing this whole time. Um, so Feyre straight up kills them. <laughs> <laughs> Wasting no time. Yeah, but they also say that they've been putting Feybane into everyone's food over the past few weeks, so her powers are about to be null. Null and void for a little bit. So she quickly winnows her and Lucian away, and they are on the run. I just want to talk about their deaths for a minute, because, like, it was insane. I completely forgot about that whole thing, because I remember I was writing our little dot points, and I'm like, how does Yante hurt her hand again or get bashed? (laughs) Like, I completely forgot. But yeah, and Lucian actually helps. He kills Dagdin, I believe, because they got in a tussle. Yeah. And yeah, Feyre killed Princess Brianna, which obviously would not bode well to the King of Highburn. Mm. And other than her hand, Ianthe's mind was also messed with. Like, you will not harm or speak to another person without like their consent really ingrained into her about yeah. that. So she got messed up. Which, rightly so, considering the shit she pulled on Feyre's sisters. Yeah, I wanted her dead then and there. There was was that opportunity. But yes, Feyre and Lucian are now on the run together. Lucian kind of had a choice to go back to Tamlin with this mess. Lucian just wanted to see Elaine. Yes. More than anything, so. Yes, his oh my mate entitlement really annoyed me throughout this entire book. 
Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get back to the night court, like on foot, yeah. on foot, and be, oh, yeah, because of the Feybane in their system, Lucian. Because they can't win over, because they have no powers, but they kind of have to yeah go around some courts and stuff because they can't go through summer because of yeah the blood rubies, and they can't go through autumn because that's where Lucian, like his dad and his brothers, will hunt them down. But that's kind of the only way, so they kind of stick to the outskirts of the autumn court as best as they can. Yeah. But they are later found by Eris and Lucian's other brothers and essentially start being hunted by them. There's been a, there was a couple of tussles and they managed to get away the first time. I think they went, they had slight winnowing ability as well Yeah. at that point. So they managed to like scooch away. They were in a cave and then yeah, Eris's brother find, finds them. But either way, they get away the first time. They end up, oh, they get into the winter court now, don't they? Yeah, and they're on a frozen lake. Yeah, we get to see Wintercourt for the first time, which is pretty cool, the way it was described. Yeah. And yeah, they're crossing a frozen lake. And then between this little adventure, Lucian and Feyre just have like that understanding of, of each other, like semi-respect, but they're, you know, it's a good little relationship development between the two of them. Yeah, they essentially, all hope seems to be lost. It looks like they've lost the battle and they've been captured when Asriel and Cassian come to save the day. Yes, Frozen Lake Battle, Eris arrives. He is melting the ice as they're trying to run. He also ends up binding one of them with the fire. Yeah. Our favourite bat boys save the day. We love that. It was awesome. That whole little fight sequence. There was so much panic. I thought they were going to be captured. Same. Because I was like, at this point, like, you still got a big chunk of book left. And I'm thinking, surely, surely they have a stint in the autumn court prisons. And they didn't really have um, a lot of power. Yeah, or a way out. Farah does uh, summon some water and fire, I believe, as kind of like a last ditch hurrah. And she manages to, like, hurt Eris and the brothers. The brothers end up, don't end up getting killed, do they? I don't remember. No. Unfortunately. Because that would be war. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, true, true. They're reluctantly wanting to save Lucian, but they save both. And they, yeah. they find their way back to Kenzie's favourite place, Valerius. Night court. So it's also at this point that Lucian doesn't realise that there is, like, a bond between Reese and Feyre. Well, he doesn't realise that they're mates, really. Except Reese comes back because he was out patrolling somewhere so he got back just after they all got back and then Feyre just kind of falls to her knees when she sees him and Reese does the same in front of her and they just embrace and oh it's so lovely and then I think Lucian's like he's just oh, fuck. awkwardly in like, the corner <laughs> like my god yeah maybe it got it wrong. but he realizes that it was real between them yeah it was a bit shocking to him I guess as well because um, yeah. he always thought like her and Tam Feyre and Tamlin were kind of the ones yeah and yeah he's just awkwardly there in the corner I'm sh- I'm I'm pretty sure even Cassian winnowed him in and he was very um, apprehensive to do so. Yeah. But yeah, they have, a, they have a nice reunion at the House of Wind. Yeah. We learn that Elaine and Nesta are also residing there for the time being. Moore is there upon arrival. I believe Amran is still there upon arrival as well. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's there. And I'm pretty sure Reese, wasting no time, takes Feyre away and uh, attends to her. He beds her. <laughs> yeah, after that's all settled and the reunion is all good, everyone's fine. Cassian's wings are healing. We learn that Elaine is a bit... Elaine's, yeah, a little bit not all there. <laughs> no, she's very... Des- I would describe her as very, like, depressed. And, and she's sort of talking in tongues. She's not making much sense. She's, she's going through quite a lot and yeah. we, we see Nesta being snarky and cold and just as rude as ever. I think 
we learned that Nesta has kind of developed a little bit of a relationship with, like, Amryn, like, in terms of, like, powers and just, I don't know, she just seems to lean on Amryn more as a friend than any of the other members of the Night Court. Yeah. And throughout, like, this little period in Valerius, they have a lot of kind of meetings about how to deal with Highburn. They come up with plans. They want every High Lord to kind of meet to try and suss out alliances and who will aid each other. They're trying to convince Elaine and Nesta to assist in some way. Elaine is 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 not is not with it so she is a no-no but Nesta agrees to help with the wall situation to try and yeah it, it was trying like fix the wall was it initially yeah to fix it so that Highburn can't bring it down Lucian is trying to like coax Elaine like he's trying to through their mating bond try and like help her in any sort of way and then Asriel yeah. we see is showing a lot more kindness to Elaine and that gives off another little love triangle happening and this is where we learn that um or maybe even a little later on the mating bond can be rejected absolutely yeah but there's a consequence for if they do. But there is a pretty mad consequence that Lucian would be entitled to do. I forget the detail though. Oh, I think he can kill, yeah, so he can kill the lover. So for this example, if Elaine chose Asriel, Lucian has a right to kill Asriel. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's like, oh, like, it's a given he can kill him. I think it's more wants to kill him. He's like well within his rights and like... But yeah. That's if she were to um, reject the bond wholeheartedly. Throughout this like fluffy middle part period, Feyre is training with Kaz and she's learning to fly with Asriel. Feyre uses her like part of like Tamlin's gift as a spring court to kind of, uh, I guess, manifest some wings. Yeah, some Illyrian warrior wings. And Asriel is teaching her how to fly, which is, I, I, I liked it. Because it's a bonding moment between Asriel and Feyre too, because we never really got a lot of Asriel kind of character development. Book. I don't know, I just had a, also a bit of a gripe with the, because there was a story about someone. He tells the story of how Nefel, she was a, a young Illyrian warrior, I think, but her wings were too small and they thought that she could never really fly. But in a moment of war. Great need. Great need. Yeah, she managed to carry her lover, I believe, and managed to save yeah. her and fly away. So yeah, basically it was like, you can't fly until you need to fly and then you'll be able to fly. And then I was like, okay, so Feyre's going to get herself into this situation and she's going to be able to fly. Yeah. And I was like, why can't she just be good? Yeah, why can't she just be able to do it? Like, why does everything need a backstory? But yeah, that was a huge um, backstory dump of about Miriam, Con, and their, like, yeah. flying fleets. Seraphine. Seraphine, yeah. Ariel, Squad. It was a nice story. I guess it needed to happen for the world, extra world building. To bring in Miriam and stuff. But, like, they could have done that another way. But. We've learned that Feyre is very good at, like, adapting. And, like, you know, she mm. if she trains, she's obviously becoming stronger. But, yeah, it just kind of sucked that the flying of all things, she just, like, never really got until it needed to happen. Yeah. Due to seeking out more answers about the wall in general and how to, like, bring it down, Reese and Feyre visit uh, their library in the Night Court. Cloth yeah, meet the prin a princess. Cloth Clotho is mute. Yeah, she's a priestess as well. So everyone who, all the people who work in the library are priestesses who have had um, harm come to them in some way. And, yeah, Reese gives them a safe space. So they go to the library and they try and um, find information, books on the wall. We learn of a creature underneath, like, deep in the depths. 
depths of the library. Deep in the library. It also explains that Cassian ended up being down there at some point and he was scared out of his mind. He was absolutely terrified of whatever was down there. And then this is where they get the idea to try and recruit the bone carver. Yep. And so they take a nice trip to the prison as well. Once again, they go back to the prison. Yeah, the middle part of this book is a lot of bouncing around to different places, which is, which is nice. They're busy. they got to get stuff done. But yeah, they go to the bone carver. This time, the bone carver appears to Feyre in a very different way, I forget. A young boy, yeah. yeah but this time, he had similarly eerie young features of Reese. And what did you think of that first little tidbit? I hate to be that person. It's like, I knew right away. <laughs> but um, I, think, <laughs> I think I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is uh, presented himself as their future son, or a future son. Yeah, a future son, yes. And the bone carver will only help if they bring back an artifact to him called uh, the, I pronounce it... Ouroboros. 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 Which is, which is a mirror, yeah. That shows whoever looks upon it like their true self or something. They say a lot of people aren't game enough to do that, and that's why it's like kind of never really been used. It's been stuck. In the Court of Nightmares. Of course, it's such a frightening type of artifact, so of course it would be somewhere like there. Isn't it? Isn't out of the question. Like she, it is on the on a to do list to try and retrieve it. But yeah, it does come at a time. I think also when she gets it, it's kind of just like a side plot, and it's just mentioned offhand, like oh, I got the mirror, so the bone carver's on our side. And they really toss around whether or not they want the bone carver recruitment and um, whether or not yeah. retrieving that artifact would be worth it because Reese does not like Kerr in the Court of Nightmares. He does not really want most, even though it's within his court and that Kerr is just like semi-in-charge, mm. he really does not want any affiliation or association with Kerr. But they do make a trip down to the Court of Nightmares, much to Moore's disdain and distrust. Is yeah, Kerr, I don't know if we mentioned previously, but Kerr is Moore's father. Other. And is the reason for her trauma and such. Yeah. Um. It's also sort of around this point as well, early on as well, that they decide that they need to have a meeting of all the high lords because they need to work out their alliances. There's a war coming. They are going to war with the King of Highburn, and they need to know who's fighting on whose side. Yeah, for sure. So the over overseeing um uh, mission, do whatever they can to get everyone there to that meeting. Mm -hmm. And they took a bit of time. They were all like really tossing up between where to have it because I guess. Yeah. Wherever whoever held the meet the meeting, I don't know, probably would have assumed like a higher regard than anybody else. Like everyone just wanted it in their yeah. own court, but no one for whatever reason wanted to real wanted to be in anyone else's court. Yeah. But they also I'm pretty sure they like warded the meeting so that no one could harm each other. Yeah, yeah. While they were there and stuff, so But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that meeting when we when we get to that. Which yeah. isn't, isn't too far away at this point. Port of Nightmare visit. They want to try and get the Uruburos. And also they try and seek Kerr's assistance um, like solely just as being a part of the Court of the Night Court. Like you would assume the Court of Nightmares would ally with them. Kerr is reluctant to assist. Mainly it's also to kind of the fact that that is also hurting more in a way. Like he, he does this yeah. to punish her. And because Reese says that he'll let them into Valaris if they agree to help. Yes. The the trip to Vil well, the visits to Valaris is what really sealed the deal. And Valaris more really loves that place because it's her place like away from Kerr, away from everything, away from her trauma. And it's her safe space. It's her safe space. And she is really pissed off at that Reese will compromise that um, just for the sake of an alliance. And another, like, cheeky revelation, we find out that Eris is there, the, mm. the heir to the Autumn Court. It becomes, like, a three-way deal, essentially. Eris will also help Reese if Reese supports his claim to the throne. 
It's, he essentially still wants to kind of assassinate his own father, though. And Aerys, yeah, says that he'll get his father's alliance if if Rhaesia supports his claim to the throne when his father dies or is killed. Yes, mysteriously. I really liked how they really showed the the real political dynamic of this all, because, like, it could have easily just been brushed off. We could have found out later, oh, yeah, made a deal, blah, blah, blah. But to actually see it, like, happening in, in the kind of, like, real time in the book... It was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And especially at the meeting, the infamous meeting. So yeah, that was a more... And Eris was Moore's ex-fiancé, betrothed. Yeah, they were intended to be married. Yes, but of course, Moore did not want that. And um, due to sleeping with Cassian, she was... Yeah, bad bad things happened to her. And yeah, she really mm. does not like Eris or Kirk. For that matter. So they're back at the House of Wind where they have like other sort of like meetings. Um, and amongst this, Pharaoh is still training with Cassian and Azriel, and they're still trying to break through um, Elaine's state. Um, Elaine offhandedly says, like, oh, there's a couple of ravens about, and everyone's like, what the hell is this chick on about? There's a black and white raven. Yep. I'm going to admit, when, she, when that was specifically said, I was like, something's up. Yeah. And at this moment, I remember, yeah, I messaged you and I'm like, all right, she's either got similar powers to the serial or like a, like a general seer type power. And then you kind of gave yeah. me a little little cheeky confirmation that I was right. Well, because, yeah, you said the exact <laughs> word. Yeah, which was great. We, we learn after this next bit, I guess, that Elaine is a is a seer. But, um, yeah, she mentions these ravens. These guys are like, what's going on? And then so Nesta and Farah take another, like, trip to the library this time. Mainly, I think it's so Nesta could kind of get out of the house and kind of have a bit of fresh air. We, we learn that she love, loves books. She loves reading, loves books. That this can become a safe space for her if she needed to, to help cope with everything yeah and then we see two highburn kind of assassins i'm gonna say but they're called soldiers. ravens soldiers yeah but they yeah. were called ravens which circles back to uh elaine's there are two there are two ravens here yeah or two ravens coming and yeah we learned that they managed to infiltrate the the wards system and they attack is trying to attack nesta and Farah. But Feyre, being the smart huntress cookie that she is, she remembers there is a very scary, deadly monster in the depths of the library. So they make their way down, they start running for their lives. And these raven soldiers, they're not in a real hurry to get them. They're kind of taunting them as, as they're trying to escape. Yeah. So as they're running down into the depths of the library, um, Feyre is very smart and decides to strike up a deal with a bro is it a Braxis? I say Braxis. Briaxis. Yeah, Briaxis. Um, that she'll send him company if he kills the raven ra ra the ravens. <laughs> the high burn ravens and he agrees. Um and then that's another bargain, yes, it's marked upon her skin. It's at this point that Feyre realizes that Elaine is a seer. And then it's said in the book as well that when like that's spoken out loud, Elaine like kind of just becomes like just calm and she can speak normally again. And it's like because they've acknowledged it, she is kind of free of not being able to explain what's happening. She's essentially snapped out of it in that midst of yeah. like confirmation, validation, realization. Yeah. Um, and Elaine tells them that there is another mortal queen and Lucian offers to go and find her. The mortal queen is named Vessa and she was mm -hmm. sold to a wicked sorcerer and has a really nasty curse bestowed upon her. She is yep. a lady by day or night? I forget which way it goes. By night, firebird by day. 
And this is the mortal queen that in the last book, when they asked for a meeting, the queen said that she was sick, but they had actually sold her to an evil lord, evil king, I guess. Yeah, as part of their bargain to become immortal. And yeah, Elaine's now feeling, yeah, again, a bit better now. And everyone's kind of happy for her. Um, Lucian and Azriel are as gentle as they can be with her, but she's just trying to cope with everything. During this time, or at least throughout this period, we hear Summer Court is under attack. Reese and the Illyrians yep. go and save the day. And they are the only ones that provide Despite aid. Despite their blood ruby bounty on them. Like, they still went there and saved yep. them. Yeah. It didn't last that long, that battle. I thought it was going to be a little bit longer. No. It was kind of like the Battle of Valeris. It was just more of a show of power. Yeah. We never um, really get to see them fight fight until that moment. The Illyrians. Yeah. Also, the king is there, apparently, and Rhysand faces him. And when he goes to attack, the king disappears and it's revealed that he was just an illusion. He's baiting them, really trying to, to muffle them. And trying to assert his yeah. power and dominance. Which I thought, reading that, I was like, this is too easy. Like, yeah, something has to be wrong. Yeah, that he There's was There's no there, way yeah. Reese could have just got onto his, like, ship and just, like, approached him like that. But yeah. then, and he is a very powerful High Lord. I'm sure he would have been capable anyway. And so, after that battle, they meet with Tarquin again. He is still absolutely uh, furious about the whole Book of Breathings. And he is insistent on those blood rubies. Um, and he... And they use this opportunity to ask him for their allegiance, um, even though they just saved their city, and he still rejects the help at this moment in time. It's also at this time, though, that they realise that they need to bring the meeting forward uh, yes, with yes. all the High Lords. Yeah, because it was, like, still a couple weeks or even, like, a month away. Yeah. It was a pretty long yeah. time. You'd think with magic, you know, word would come around a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was because they also couldn't agree on a time or a place. Yeah, but this is also, um, they decided to meet at the Dawn Court. I forget yes. I forget if it was incredibly significant as to why, but that was just the way it was. Dawn Court it is. I don't think it was significant. So, this infamous meeting. It was intriguing because, again, you got all these political figures and they all have their reasons as to why they make the decisions they make. But all the High Lords are there. At the moment, bar two. We have Lord Tarquin of the Summer Court. We have High Lord Callius of the Winter Court. We have High Lord Thesan of the Dawn Court. And we have High Lord Helian of the Day Court. And we have yours truly, High Lord Resand of the Night Court, as well as Feyre. Um, Callius is accompanied by his wife, Vivian. And, Vivian. So, and so far, the Autumn Court High Lord, Baron and Tamlin have not rocked up yet. Which isn't really surprising, considering um, all the terror that, like, Feyre has caused for the Autumn Court, her relationship with Tamlin, and Tamlin's, you know, non-existent wanting to help, you know, Resand in general. And Tamlin's also an ally to the King of Highbirth. Yes. But, surprise, surprise, they do rock up at some point. Yes. And the mood really shifts. Everyone was kind of shitting on Tamlin throughout this whole thing, which I found was so funny and really deserved. Yeah. It was great. But it sucked that Tamlin really was just sniping Feyre the entire time, like calling her, her a whore, stuff like that. Yeah, essentially. Um, but he did bring, like, plans from the King of Highburn. He's like, lol, I'm double-crossing the King of Highburn. LOL. Yeah, but, like, it's that situation where, yeah, he wants them to think he's double-crossing, but is it like a like a triple entendre where he's pretending to double-cross them, but he's also trying to super-spy on, yeah, the meeting plans and then telling Highburn. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I thought. 
Like, but that would have been too confusing. Like, who's spying for who? Yeah. It would have been really overwhelming. Everyone's kind of iffy about each other. It is also kind of at this meeting, gathering, etc., that Feyre sort of deduces, finds out that Perlian is Lucian's father because he had an affair with Lucian's mother. Yes, which I want to circle back to the moment I realised in the first book, which I have already told you about. But when Pharaoh was in the trials and Lucian healed her, sh- like surely that was because the um, day court's abilities based around healing. Mm-hmm. I figured mm-hmm. there's no other way for like a high lord to heal another unless it had to be an ability inherited by the day court. So yeah. that's a little little nugget that I picked up, and I was like, once I read that, I'm like, ooh, that makes a bit of sense. And it's a fun little yeah. bit of information because that also means that Lu- like Lucian's like entitlement to the Autumn Court throne is almost like null and void now. Yeah, but it does make him the sole heir of the A Court. But that just means like Eris and his brothers wasted like a lot of time on like yeah like belittling him and like trying to trying to kill him in a way. Yeah. And lessen his chances of yeah becoming heir to the um, Autumn Court throne. But yeah, a lot of a lot of political yeah intrigue through everybody and all the relationships. So they all kind of like meetings done. And they're having a good time now, whatever. And um, Nesta warns Farah that they have to go home. She said that they're in danger, something is wrong. And Reese and Cassie and Azriel kind of do like a once over, and they're like, no, like everything's fine. And then there's like a huge like wave of power, like that's gone like over the lands and stuff. And Reese says that the wall has been destroyed this was the moment we thought they had plenty of time in order to fix it Mm -hmm. but yeah this moment came all too quickly the the wall gone just like that this is where they decide to pick up the ante a little bit um the wall is down a lot of panic ensues they there's instant worry about the humans really kind of considerate of pharah she hasn't really forgotten that human side. But she realises they're essentially mm. defenceless against not even just Highburn, but against the High Fae in general. Yeah, and her village, her old village, is right where the wall is. Yes, so for sure. She's the one that she's most concerned about. They're in they're the most in the most immediate sort of danger. Danger. So they had an idea. They um they remembered that Elaine's ex fiance, which we learned is called who is called Grayson, his father is a very wealthy um, human who has like a huge like manor that is well built, well guarded, that it could withstand a little bit of war, but also importantly is able to refuge some of the humans who are unable to defend themselves. They yeah. decide to go meet with him and see if they can suss out a deal themselves or an alliance of sorts. Yeah, and while they're there, Jurian appears. Yeah. And they're like, Surprise. oh god, and I hear, I was like, it's over, it's all over, they're all gonna die. Yeah, that's what I thought too, I'm like, oh no. But then Durian pretty much says that he's been fighting Highburn from the inside. He's like, I didn't ask to be brought back, I don't want to come back, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah, thinking about now, his involvement always seemed weird, because he was a human who, yeah, killed Amarantha's sister, brought back by Haifei, who was essentially, you know, her her charge. Like, why yeah. why, why would he have reason to fight why? with them? Like, that was my confusion yeah. the entire time, even with that revelation. I'm like, you're a human. Why are you fighting for the Haifei? You're a fantastic... Yeah. You were described as a fantastic war general and war warrior. But I'm like, yeah, I was yeah. so confused. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, go help the humans. So, Durian tells them that Highburn is going to essentially start his attack the next day. Elaine was also there upon 
um, meeting with the Graysons. And throughout that entire time, Grayson is absolutely disgusted that she is Haifei because he, he yeah. is of a type that is really, he wants to kill them essentially on site. And Elaine is really suffering with the idea because that was her intended, her intended to be yeah. married. And she still loves him. She, yeah, she genuinely... I, I get, got the sense that Grayson never really loved her. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I think, yeah, it was f- for the money. But yeah, she seemed to have genuine feelings, so she is absolutely heartbroken. And yeah, she does not let go of that idea too easily. Yeah. But yes, Durian is on our side. We kind of love mm-hmm. that, even though we're kind of suspicious. Alrighty. This is leading up to, like, the, the biggest part, the, the most cool part, the last hundred pages, yeah. of course. What could what could possibly happen? The battle. It was in Summer Court, right? The Battle of Summer Court. Moore and Farah are watching the battle the next day. Yep. And yeah, and Cassian gets injured, so he needs to come back. Um, and Farah and Reese glamour the whole camp so that they can ambush Highburn. But they discover more of Highburn's army, and Farah realizes that is this isn't like the big army. So she once again goes to hunt the Surreal for answers. Friendly neighborhood Surreal. Because I mean, Jurian just Jurian wasn't wrong, but like I think he even underestimated like what the size of what was going to occur. So Feyre hunts the Surreal, who says that Nesta needs to find the cauldron and nullify it. But um, before the Surreal can say any more, Ianthi and two Highburn soldiers come and kill the um, Surreal. They essentially tracked it. Um, Ianthi um, tracked it and gave it a coat that was charmed with a like um tracking spell. Right. Okay. So that when Feyre... Because she assumed that Farah would hunt it again. Yep. So yeah, Farah three from three, and yet Reese had never captured it before. I think at this point the serial says though, so, like I knew I was going to die, but I allowed you to capture me. Like you've always been kind to me, sort of thing. Yep. For sure. So is in rage, and she escapes, and she's near the Weaver's cottage. So she essentially traps Yanthi and the guards inside, and the Weaver kills them. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I thought we were never going to see the Weaver again. I thought it was just going to be like yeah. an offhand creature. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. Like, Yanthi got messed up, and it was just so yeah. clever. And even the Weaver, she remembered Feyre kind of destroying part of her little cottage. Yeah. yeah I think she was happy to have, like, a meal in Anthe and the two soldiers. Yeah. It was a very intense scene. I thought Anthe was going to, like, capture her and everything. Mm. And I thought Feyre kind of messed her up. I thought she was not going to really recover from this. Yeah. The Weaver did the Lord's work and killed Yanthe. We love that. <laughs> During this battle, Nesta kind of taps in on her powers, I believe, and she kind of feels... She needs to find the cauldron. Yes, yeah, so um, through Amran's kind of guidance as well, or through yeah. Amran's kind of training her, Nesta yeah gets in touch with the cauldron's power. But it's a two-way... It's essentially a two-way street. Like, it, she can sense yeah. the cauldron, but the cauldron can sense her. And then Highburn uses this sort of little, I guess, opening to... Uh, kidnap Elaine as mm-hmm. well to kind of yeah use that as also like a tracking sort of mechanism and during one of the nights it's that night that Elaine is taken and yeah they are freaking the heck out which is fair considering Elaine you know has been in a very somber depressed state has finally found a bit of life and then now you know she has more stuff to deal with being kidnapped by Highburn. so Feyre immediately is like I need to go and get her I need to save my sister so she goes into the camp with Azriel because Azriel can say like in the shadows um and Feyre uses Ianthi's appearance she sort of shapeshifts into Ianthi to sneak into the camp yeah because that all because Highburn for all they know Ianthi is still alive and she does encounter Durian at one point in the war camp as Ianthi and he sees right through it. Yeah. 
Yeah. But but he wants her to kind of play along in the presence of like the other soldiers. Yeah, and he wants to help save Elaine. Um, so there's like a bit of a like the king realizes that what they're doing that they're getting Elaine and Feyre also sees an injured human who she wants to save so she her and Asriel save her as well and Elaine and they're sort of ambushed on their way out as they're leaving but um Tamlin actually is in the camp as well and he transforms into his beast and he intercepts the hounds that have been chasing them so he sort of helps them as well well how did you feel in this moment like were you expecting like a little last hurrah from Tamlin no I also don't think I mean this isn't the last that we hear of Tamlin he sort of comes in again and again and again and I also think in books to come he is going to play quite a major role yeah because I don't think we have closure on his character yet I liked that this happened. I didn't see it as like a redemption arc and also what's coming up later. I didn't see that as his redemption arc either. But it's hard because he's very, I guess like the bookish term is morally grey in that I don't really hate him, but I also don't like him. Like at this point, I'm kind of thinking like, oh, well, he's just doing what he needs to do to ensure his court's safety and survival at this point. Yeah, I didn't see this as a redemption arc either. Um, I was very surprised though that he helped... I had a oh well done type of moment. I was like oh no didn't yeah didn't see this coming. Yeah I d- yeah I was shocked. I was like oh wow that's really cool that she's um that Sarah J Mass has kind of slung that in there as well. I think deep down Tamlin still kind of really loves her despite everything. I mean she did save his court. That was the whole premise. He's of still the first very book. much in love with her. Yeah. yeah. But obviously his behaviour, like, it, he is pretty toxic in his behaviour, despite his yeah. love. And this was, yeah, a slight helping hand. Yeah. So then we're kind of back at camp, and I don't know if you want to talk, like, it is very important about Moore's kind of se- secret reveal. Yeah, after, yeah, that whole little battle ensues, like, there's a bit of downtime. And yeah, we we have a nice little kind of conversation between Moore and Feyre. Because I think Feyre confronts her very obvious that Asriel is kind of like in love with Moore. Moore is always just as flirtatious back to like at him and everything. Feyre is like what's going on I feel like you're stringing him along. Yeah so it's at this point that yeah Feyre is like yeah you're stringing them along like you need to make a decision like they're pining after you blah 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 and then Moore just has the revelation that she likes women. We are a woman crush Wednesday which is Really cool. We love representation. But I think also, I think she's bi because it's said like over the years that she's like been with men as well. So I think she's bi and just prefers women. Yeah, she she's it's described she's bi, but she only sexually physical with men, but she can, she's like more of an emotional type of connection with women. Yeah. So then Feyre goes to the Court of Nightmares to get the mirror to give to the bone carver. And she does. She goes to get it to him and he's essentially like, I didn't even want it. I just wanted to see if, like, you would get it to see if you're worth fighting for, Um, which is cheeky. Yeah. See, this, I thought it was going to be, like, because every other artifact, it was, there was more of a build-up, like, with the Book of Breathings, like, it was... A real intense moment but with this she got to the mirror very easily she looked into it and then that's all it was like there was no intense yeah. real description of what happened uh, it was just more that she succeeded but she later on reveals like what she saw i would have liked oh, yeah, to I was, gonna say, I was like you've read i'm getting there but yeah but then it, I, but then it's only later on revealed as to what she encountered in that process i just yeah. thought in this book in this moment it was a crucial piece into a crucial alliance i thought we were going to see it there and there yeah i thought she yeah just skipped over it 
I also thought as well that it, like it was going to show that maybe like Feyre like was like I don't know like a high high Fey or whatever like she was I don't know kind of like a really special and that like once in a thousand years kind of creature or whatever like because she was made yeah I thought there was going to be like a bigger type of meaning behind it other than yeah. you are worthy because you accept who you are essentially learn that the bone carver has siblings yeah the weaver the weaver but the bone carver wishes yeah, so... to stay away from the weaver <laughs> At all times, I yeah, believe. but then Pharaoh convinces him, yeah, to fight, and the Weaver and Braxis um, will all be joining them as Pharaoh has kind of like struck bargains with all of them. Reese made the deal with the Weaver. Uh, I didn't even realize that. That's okay. Oh, well, we know now. We have the, the big three joining us for this final battle. So now it all comes down to this battle against Highburn. The big fight. Mm. Initially, the first fight, I believe, is a montage of like once it all begins. The Illyrians take to the skies. The Court of Nightmare warriors are going at it now. We get a very beautiful battle sequence of Cassian. I believe it was. I believe it was this battle, or or it could have been the Summer Court one. But either way, it was a very beautiful just description of like how he's like fight. Even though it sounds pretty gross, but he's like the way he fights and killing. It was just such a beautiful little little moment for him. Yeah, really. Shows, like, the depth of his power. Yeah, and he, he was really hyped up to being, like, a, a great, you know, Illyrian war general as well. Highburn has, well, they learn that Highburn has a huge-ass armada coming their way as well throughout this entire fight. We, yeah. we learn that Tamlin, Bayron, and Grayson all eventually, you know, they come to the aid. Yeah. And then in a huge little endgame sort of, like, superhero reveal moment, there is yeah. a, a one last twist to this whole puzzle that really, like, seesawed this war. So they kind of thinking that they're like outnumbered, like it's not going to go the way they want. And like the way I like pictured it was like, there's like a coast, I guess, off to like their side. And they see like just a legion of ships coming in. And pretty much at the forefront is Feyre, Nesta, Nesta's and Elaine's father. And he has three ships and they are named Feyre, Nesta and Elaine. And also Miriam and Dracon are with him. They're Seraphine Legion as well. Yeah, so it's sort of revealed, yeah, that he went off to like do his merchant stuff, but he found them on the way and he was like we need your help yeah like see i got a bit confused with that because i feel like nessa's father had like their father had no idea about what's going on so i was really kind of like what when he rocked up Lu- no, no no i said it wrong so lucin went to find vassa and he did and i think where she was Feyre's father was there as well okay so lucin just kind of kept him in the loop yeah yeah Okay. And then they found, yeah, Miriam and Dracon. Yeah, because throughout the entire book, describing, like, their backstory and, like, where they were, how they were hidden, because Durian thought both of them were dead. Um, yeah. And Durian's entire little mission has been to kind of go after, like, Miriam and Dracon due to Miriam being his ex-lover type of... It, it's a whole conflict in itself. But he also doesn't really care. But yeah, yeah, he doesn't care anymore. Yeah, the end game moment, you got, yeah, you got the Bone Carver, you got Briaxis, you've got the Weaver, you've got... Miriam and Dracon and their Seraphine Legion. You have a little armada made by Prince of Merchants is what he what their father's called. Yeah. And you've got Vessa herself. Yeah. Yeah, chillin'. Like she we learned that she managed to cut a deal with her sorcerer captor that um the curse is kind of like on hold for her to to help deal with this and then she has to return. Yeah. But yes, 
that was such a cool moment. I was like, oh my god. I was mm. smiling so yeah. wide. But of, yeah. of course, within the last hundred pages, this has to happen. It's twist after twist. Um, so back to Feyre. So her and Amran are running for the cauldron, but Feyre gets to it and Amran betrays her, essentially revealing that to it's not about nullifying the cauldron, it's about releasing Amran. So Feyre is then dragged to Nesta, who is facing through the power of the cauldron, is dragged to Nesta and she's facing off with the King of Highburn, who's holding their father captive. And also, like, I think this was such a throwaway moment. So after all, like, he's gone, he's been missing for, like, the last book and this book pretty much, haven't heard much of him. Suddenly he comes out of nowhere, he saves the day, and then he's pretty much unceremoniously killed. Yeah, but maybe for the author, like, he, she knew that he wasn't going to contribute any other way. But it sucks that it was seen as a plot device for now more trauma and brooding yeah. from especially Nesta, considering she was initially there to witness this. Yeah, like, the way the story goes now that I've read, like, it works. But, like, I, there could have been a different way to write him. Like, he could have been, like, another emissary to, like, yeah, far off lands because of his boats yeah yeah so and i just want to touch as well on that there's a really great moment between cassian and nesta here as well where cassian's like pretty injured and nesta's sort of like shielding him and i like i was like cassian's gonna die and when he says something along the lines of like his biggest regret will be that they didn't have enough time together yeah oh that's cute yeah and that he'll find her in the next life so i don't want to spoil anything for you but it was at this point that I be new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, we must disclose, throughout the entire book, like, like Cassian, you know, overly protective of Nesta, but not in a, in this instance, I don't think, a mate, like, a mate bond type of way. It's just, like, mm. but, like, I don't remember, it was never really a slow build-up. He just kind of, like, drawn to her straight away. I thought it was just a way for the author to just quickly pair him off because yeah. he was always kind of instinctually, like, protecting her and um, there was never, like, any sort of relationship development between the two of them anyway. Yeah, not a romantic relationship at least. Yeah, no, no, but like there's no reason for him to like be drawn to her that quickly, you know? I just yeah. thought that the entire time. But yeah, yeah, anyway, it was a cute moment. Yeah, yeah, Cassian's like ducking and weaving and fighting in the sky. And yeah, yeah. Nesta also saves his life in this moment as well because like a power of the cauldron, you know, strikes through the Illyrians, kills like yeah. a bunch of them, and she calls out Cassian's name and he ducks out of the way just yeah. in time and he ends up heading towards her. And then that's where, yeah. you know, yeah, the king and the... Yeah. So, yeah, the king's distracted by killing their father. So Elaine um, puts a dagger into the king's throat. <laughs> yes, which is Azriel's dagger. Truth teller that, that he let her borrow. Apparently no one yeah. is allowed to have his, um, his, his dagger. And Nesta, I think, takes Cassian's sword and beheads the king. How did you feel that it was that they got to kill him? Um, in one sense, I was like, yes, like ultimate revenge, like good on them for doing it. But then I was also like, it was such a build up for it to just end like that, if that makes sense. It's like Amarantha 2.0. Yeah. And like, yeah, they hated him because he put them in the cauldron and they were made or whatever. Oh, but don't worry. In one book, you'll get your revenge straight away. Yeah. Because, like, the King of Highburn has never been their sort of ancient enemy. It's always been, mm. like, yeah, the High Fae who have freed their, their human slaves. Like, they always saw him mm. as the, the kind of greater evil person. And, it, yeah, it did kind of suck that, like, they didn't really kill him, but they did. Yeah, and then once again, like, I feel like um 
But I also feel like, you know, he's been like this big bad looming in the background for like centuries or whatever. And then he just comes and OPs the Illyrian, Illyrians, comes and OPs the High Lords, comes and OPs just everyone in this way. And then there's these two pretty much brand new Fae who don't have a lot of training in combat and they're just like, like, see ya. It was very lucky, yeah. I suppose someone had to kill him, and I guess who better than the people who were kind of turned them against their will. It's fair, it's fair that they got to kill him, but yeah, I always thought it was going to be at least Reese or one of the other High Lords because they were more so his, their enemies more so than Nesta. I also thought, like, I'm pretty sure, like, Tamlin's arc is coming soon, like, in the next book, but I felt, felt like it would have been really satisfying if Tamlin was the one who delivered. But I guess he got to kill Amarantha. Which you always build up that Feyre's gonna do it, but she never does kill the big bads. She, yeah. Or she hasn't so far. Yeah. Back to the story. Um, so yeah, Amarantha explains that she betrayed them so that she could free herself, um, and she does get freed or like her power gets freed and kind of just sweeps out over the rest of Highburn's army um and then the cauldron starts to crack or something I believe and Feyre realizes that the cauldron gives everything all the fey and everything life and if it breaks then everyone will die so Feyre realizes that she needs to fix it and she doesn't have a lot of power left so Reese kind of sits behind her and says like oh take some of my power use me as a conduit Mm-hmm. The most shocking moment <laughs> is that, like, Fair is doing it and it's fixed or whatever, and she, like, kind of, like, turns behind or whatever, and she realises that Reese is dead! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lying on the cold, hard ground. Yeah, the bond the bond is actually broken because he is not living right now. Like, their, yeah. Inter- their, yeah, their communication is gonzo. Yeah, so it's not even, like, when she had a neck cracked and he tugged on it and he's like, yo, come back. Like, it's just not he's there. dead, dead. Yeah, so she's like, do something! Like, she's freaking out. Yeah. And so then, yeah, the High Lords once again do their little resurrection trick. Seed of life, yeah, Colonel, bit of nugget of power. Tamlin was very kind of apprehensive. We thought, is this guy going to be a real dick about it? But he actually pulls through. He gives some of his... And, well, Feyre says that she'll do anything. Like, she'll do anything if he does it. And he just says, be happy, Pharaoh. Yeah. Again, not a redemption. We would not call this a redemption, but the fact that he no. pretty much caused this nonsense to begin with, it is expected yeah. some sort of repayment. Mm. Once again, just brought back. And again, like... I don't think I'd be able to recover if he died, but it's the same, like, I've noticed now that I've read these books. I mean, again, maybe the next one will be different, but these books, there's always, like, you know, the big bad on the last hundred pages and someone is, like, gravely injured, but then suddenly they're okay. And also now that I'm reading Throne of Glass, her other series, this again kind of thing kind of happens again. It's a similar structure. Similar structure big battle, someone's injured and then magically fine. And like, I, yeah, I would be very unhappy if someone was to die, but it's in these moments that you kind of almost want someone to die because you're like, well, I want the consequence of this big bad. Yeah, you want higher stakes. Yeah. And which makes me think, like, these High Lords are able to resurrect resurrect anybody. Why haven't we heard of any more, like, resurrections during the history mm. of these courts? Like, it can't be just yeah. convenient that they're doing it because of, a hu- of, like, a tiny human. They could have been doing it for hundreds of years, but we never know of that. Yeah. But, but I guess it's hard to get um, them all to agree with each other. I don't know. I think it has to be, like, I don't think it's just a matter of, like, if it's just anyone dies, they can be like, oh, come back to life. 
I think it has to be like Pharaoh, like it was a huge sacrifice. And I think it was like even Hellion in the first one who said like, oh, for what she gave and then like it gives us. So I think it has to be like a bit of life for life. Yeah, a really good reason to be brought back, I guess. Yeah, like they have to have willingly sacrificed themselves. But like maybe I'm making that up. It's not like their power gets like drained or anything. Because I know she inherits a bit of power from everybody, but that doesn't mean they lose anything. Yeah, but Rhysand doesn't get any powers. He says like, he's fine. be happy to know that my power is still mine yeah so i'm just curious how that kind of works i don't know my takeaway is that like they could have like been resurrecting everybody kind of willy-nilly if they really wanted to but we just haven't had any of that type of history until now yeah and i must say quick mention beforehand i believe the bone carver gets killed by a power spike of the cauldron i thought the weaver gets killed as well the weaver does get killed by the king of highburn he mm. snaps her neck he's he kind of like relishes in the beauty weirdly enough of the creature and yeah he just snaps her neck this was obviously yeah. obviously before nesta confronts him and i thought that was a bit yeah. short-lived as well like the weaver described as this really you know we see a, a bit of a power and stuff when um Feyre's, you know at the cottage when she was getting the ring and as she was luring mm. Iante. But she, her little stint was short-lived. I would have loved a, a bigger battle sequence just like Cassian had. But then again, it would have gone on for another 50-odd pages. Yeah, I think this is like what I was saying as well before about how he's so OP with all of these things. But then the Weaver, who's yeah also meant to be like so powerful, like he just snaps her neck. And then again, suddenly these two tiny female Fae are just like, see ya. If Iante can't destroy... Iante's a pretty powerful priestess, though, would you say? Yeah. Like, she can yeah. face the Weaver, but the King of Highburn can. I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. I, now that I think about it, I don't get it. <laughs> so, um, Rhysand is back, um, and he says that Amryn's, like, fine as well. She's in the cauldron, so they get her out, and it's, yeah, sort of revealed that Amryn is, like, she chose to stay in this fae form, and she has, I think, some, like, fae, you know, like, heightened abilities and stuff, but she doesn't have any more of her like big powers yeah her ancient creature powers yeah because it was it's been said that when she chose this form to be in when she ended up in this sort of play in when she ended up in prithian but she said if she were to ever have reverted back to her old state she would not have been able to remember anybody or recognize anybody Mm. or be able to withstand her own um instinct as whatever creature she really was now she's kind of she was kind of remade in a sense into high fae from the cauldron. Yeah. Reese, it was described, held a hand out and then Amarin kind of took it. Yeah, like he tugged on Amarin as well when he was dying. Um, so Feyre meets Vassa and Miriam and Dracon and she asks if they can hide the cauldron on their island because their island is hidden from everyone. And it's revealed they were saying, you know, like Resand was like, we were looking for you, we've been looking for you forever. They hid their island so well that not only was it hidden from their enemies, but it was also hidden from their friends. So Feyre um, assumes that that's the safest place for the cauldron because no one can find it. Yeah, hidden in a way that Reese hid Valerius, but a bit more intense, a bit more more powerful in a way. Um, and so, yeah, Feyre calls a meeting to discuss a new treaty with the human and the fey lands um, before they finally return back to Valaris. And I believe she also meets Nafel as well, because Nafel, I believe, yes. was there, part of the Seraphine Legion who flew yeah. when she needed to fly but yeah she so she met everyone that essentially was mentioned mentioned in the backstories of yeah miriam and dracon and durian yeah. doesn't care about that anymore thoughts feelings emotions big book a lot of stuff a lot of world building backstories mm. nuggets fun moments kind of creatures that you build up only to be taken away from us um yeah. king of, again king of highburn 
perceived to be very OP, but ended up dying to some mere high mm. Overworld's good. Like, I know I've already read Star Frost and Starlight, but if it was just, like, a trilogy, I would be happy ending it there, you know? Like, this yeah. is a pretty good ending point. But yeah. I, I have, or, or like, post-potential plot points. Um, I know I've just started Silver Flame, but I hope that they kind of help Vessa and her curse situation. I really hope we bring back to that because that is a really terrible curse to have and I think considering she helped save their lives they owe it to her to at least try and help her out. Mm. But yeah, that's my hope um, for potential plot points. Other than that, not much I don't think can really happen other than everyone dealing with their trauma. Unless a new big bad is introduced. Of course. But I've really liked so far how like each big bad you know, it's been relevant to each book like it's already been mentioned. So unless you, yeah. and unless obviously you've read Silver Flame, so you know something that I don't, but um, I, yeah. I'm, yet to, I'm yet to find and make that connection. Yeah, without giving anything away, I'm interested to see where book five leads into book six, but we'll talk about that when we get to it because I have many theories now. Yeah, very good. Your final thoughts, feelings, emotions, Kenzie? Yeah, so coming off my favourite, Mist and Fury, um... <laughs> Again, like, it's the same structure, which is good. It makes it an easy read. It makes it a good read. It's concise. It flows where it's, like, conflict that's resolved, fluffing, and then big conflict again, which is fine because it's, like, easing you into, like, the pace and then it's, like, bam, 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 bam. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I just, yeah, the only thing, yeah, was just the OP of the king and then he's defeated so easily. Yeah, all the stuff with Tamlin, it's like kind of reaching. It's like, when is he going to get that redemption arc? When is something going to be happening? And it's like, kind of just seems, you know, like he saves him in Highburn's camp and then the be happy Feyre. And it's like, it's just reaching and it's not quite landing for me. <laughs> Ultimately, do you think we will like Tamlin again? In, like, will he be, yes. not redemption, but like, will we just look, kind of like respect him a little bit more? I can't tell. I've seen many things. I've read many theories. I don't know if he's going to become another, like, kind of big character or if he's just kind of fade into the background. But I feel like the middle part of this book and even the ending, like, Lucian was kind of, like, shoved to the back. Tamlin was sort of, like, brought more forward again. It's like, well, you're either going to just, yeah, push him to the back and it's just going to be he was really important and now he's not. He's just kind of there and he's caught. Or you're going to bring him back as, yeah, like, a quite a big story point. And I felt like that kind of with Lucian, he obviously was displaced to being in Valeris for like majority of the book. Everyone's kind of mm. a little bit of animosity towards him because yeah, you know, he's essentially Tamlin's second. Um yeah. and yeah, then he got whisked off in that side mission to get Vessa. But yeah. and yeah, she obviously she yeah, she pops up and helps save the day, but then that's it. And then especially with the revelation that he is Hellion's son. And it's like that's like that's a pretty big plot points. Like are you going to bring that into kind of a main plot? where like it's all about him becoming heir or like and he might reject being the heir or whatever but then it's also got to like bring in the story about him being Elaine's mate and blah 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 or like it like it doesn't have to be like a big big plot but like something that we get to see and watch resolve yeah it can yeah kind of like how you know the side missions of finding the artifacts like a side mission where he gets a bit of closure and especially in again like not giving much away, but in book five, like a lot of the points from three and ugh, I guess I'll say four, but I, that doesn't really go into much in four, but we're like three and four, a lot of the big plot points just kind of 
rushed over in five. So it, and it feels like a very different read. So I was like, I just don't know how you're going to bring it back. Again, unless this is going like Throne of Glass, I think is a six book series. Oh, wow. And then I don't know about like Crescent, the like Crescent City or whatever, how many books that is. But it's like this has the potential to be kind of like a House of Night kind of deal where it's like an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 book series, the way it's been written, which I ain't mad about. I'm getting a headache thinking about 12 books that are like 700 pages. My God. <laughs> I know, like at least House of Night, like they're all kind of like easy, like small, easy to read. Concise, yeah. Yeah, maybe, mm. maybe that's kind of like the downside. Like you get so into the world building, you want to explain everything, but then you've also got to miss a few things or you've got to you know, shove a few things in the back. Yeah, and then it's almost like, because I feel like Feyre's and Reese's story is so good as well. Like you could have almost done like a four, four or five book series on them and then done like, you know, like standalones for like yes. Nesta and Elaine and then maybe like a Lucian yeah. one. I mean, maybe it's just me, but like a standalone POV of like, say, yeah, Nesta, Elaine, and Lucian, I don't think I'd really get by. I, I don't think I would really be behind it. As I just said earlier, if it was just like a trilogy, I would be happy that it ended there. Yeah. But I don't know. Or maybe it's just me thinking, getting overwhelmed by the thought of more books <laughs> and more things. Because like, <laughs> I just like second book alone, like uh, so like so much like details and and you know mm. stories of the world is just so overwhelming. And like just to have more yeah. of it, I'm like, uh, if there was ever like a trivia night on this series, like I would probably really suck at it. You know. Yeah. I forget, I forget in what book did, like, what major plot point happen because they're just, like, so... They're still... Because you would think, like, because Highburn essentially was mentioned in book one, it ends in book one, like, but no, it just Mm. strings along for three books now. Yeah, I'll be interested to see, like, what your thoughts are after book five. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's a rough start. It is a rough start. It's a rough end as well. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Then again, what, what what else do we expect? Yeah. All right, we just got off on a little tangent, which is good because that's what you know. We're just yeah. we're here to chit chat. That's all it is. It's gonna take yes. as long as it takes. Yes. <laughs> and um and yeah, so we will be back yeah, for thanks. a court of frost and starlight.